Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to Unbothered uh, with your host, Josh. Today, I'm going to be reacting to the NFL Top 100 list. Today, or yesterday, they revealed 100 to 51. I'm not going to go through every player, uh, but just a couple of notable ones where a certain player was ahead of another player. I will be going over that. Some preseason takeaways from week one, what we can learn so far. And then the bulk of the podcast, I'm going to spend uh, going over the NFL divisions as I make my predictions for the division. Now, I have them set. You know, I've looked at the schedules. This is who I think is going to go one, two, three, four in the divisions. However, I'm not revealing records or playoff uh, entries at this time. Uh, but who are going to win the divisions, last, all that. Then I'll finish up with Kevin Durant. And then the official preseason AP poll for college football has come out. I react to that. But let's get started with the NFL Top 100. Now, this list is dynamic. This is only active players. It comes out once a year, and it's a player's poll. So it's players voting on players, no one else. Now, there's a couple things that I noticed right away in this poll uh, or in this top 100 list. One of them, Kyler Murray ahead of Russell Wilson. Uh, that, to me, is a notable one because I have Russell Wilson as a top eight quarterback in this league, and I don't even have Kyler Murray top 10. Uh, so to me, that's a pretty big difference between, you know, Kyler Murray ahead of Russell Wilson. Yes, Kyler Murray looks more electric. Uh, you know, each year he gets a little better, but he's, is he really close to Russell Wilson? Uh, yes, they both throw, you know, incredible uh, deep balls. To me, I like Russell Wilson's a touch more, his accuracy a touch more, his pocket presence. Uh, but the other thing I like, Russell Wilson, it's his elusiveness, his ability to extend plays, but also look down the field and throw the football while he's extending plays. I feel like I've seen so many Russell Wilson highlights where you just scrambling around in the backfield, running into circles. He finds the open man. He finds Tyler Lockett. Touchdown, completion, first down. I see Kyler Murray extend plays, but I don't see him extend plays that result in good yardage. Now, I think his scrambling uh, is you know better than Russell Wilson. He's younger. He's faster. Uh, he can extend plays. However, I don't see the completions downfield, the big-time throws that Russell Wilson has made. So that, to me, is one uh, – I wouldn't have Kyler Murray ahead of Russell Wilson. Now, they also had Kyler Murray ahead of Derek Carr. Now, I know this one's more up for debate, but me personally, I'd rather have Derek Carr than Kyler Murray. I'd rather have his arm, uh, completion percentage, pocket awareness than Kyler Murray, and leadership as well. Another one for me uh, is Justin Simmons. Safety for the Denver Broncos who I believe is, you know, one of the best, if not the best safeties 
in the league, and already in this list, there were three safeties ahead of him. Tyran Matthew was ahead of him, Antoine Winfield, and Quandre Diggs. Now, this is one that really shocked me. I think Quandre Diggs is a heck of a player. But Quandre Diggs, ahead of both Antoine Winfield for the Buccaneers, and Justin Simmons. Now, to me, Justin Simmons doesn't get any respect any year uh, by any players. Now, he gets respect by uh, the media, analysts, but the players don't respect Justin Simmons. Obviously, they don't respect Russell Wilson. I don't know if it's just a Broncos thing, um, but Justin Simmons has been one of the best, most consistent safeties in the NFL for quite some time now. It's not even been close. Uh, especially Quandre Diggs, uh, who I think is a good safety. But to me, he's no game changer uh, back there. So that's another omission. And then the other one was cornerback Kenny Moore of the Colts ahead of both Denzel Ward and Marshawn Lattimore. Denzel Ward, cornerback for the uh, Browns. Marshawn Lattimore, defensive back for the Saints. Now, Kenny Moore's a great slot cornerback, but Denzel Ward's a premier shutdown corner. So is Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, to me, working the slot, it's a little uh, bit easier. Mary, you don't always get the best guy compared to Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore. Sometimes they travel on an island. So that's another big one uh, to me is that uh, Kenny Moore is ahead of those few guys. So, you know, there's a couple other uh, – Gripes I could have with this list as well. Nothing major. Um, but my big takeaway is there's a reason why players don't do polls because, you know, you follow players on Instagram, you know, any form of social media. Um, you hear them, you know, talk in the media as well, interviewed. There's definitely a decent amount of them that have biases, um, you know, they may rate their friend a little higher than another guy. Uh, they might have some beef with a guy. So in the back of their mind, that can factor in. Whereas when you have analysts, real analysts that all they do is watch film all day and break down play-by-play, um, it gets a bit more technical um, than, you know, I don't play Justin Simmons, you know, at all a year. So can't really tell how great he is. So that's just one of my nitpicky things with the NFL top 100 list. Um, I'm excited to see the rest of the list, see how it would compare if I were to make an NFL top 100. Now, moving on to the preseason. A couple of injuries during this preseason, one being to Zach Wilson, who tore his meniscus, not a complete tear, so they're still uh, having, you know, x-rays and procedures to look over the scope of it, uh, but he his week one job, his week one starting, is in question. Uh, and then another injury was Drake London also injured his knee, but that doesn't seem like it's too big of a deal. Um, now, to me, uh, Zach Wilson's injury was on a non-contact scramble. So, 
I'm fine with players playing in the preseason. But Zach Wilson, my friend, it's a preseason. You're not the most athletic quarterback ever. You're not a Russell Wilson, a Kyler Murray, a Lamar Jackson, where you can make a bunch of quick cuts. You make a quick cut and your knee gives out like it did on the play that you ran. So, Zach Wilson, don't do that again. I hope you learned your lesson uh, because in preseason, you don't need to fight for the extra yards. You can just run right out of bounds and be just fine. I like the effort, like the intensity, but it's a preseason game. So in the end, it is um, meaningless in terms of your stats, the record, all that. So don't be doing that. Drake London was just a tackle, uh, so it's a bit different. But you never want to see, if you're the Jets, if you're the Falcons, your young stars, you know, Zach Wilson in the second year, Drake London was is a rookie, that he was the first round or first wide receiver taken in the draft. You don't want to see that uh, for your team. So that's another takeaway. I saw another one was when I was watching the 49ers and the Packers. Great game, great game, great preseason game. Uh, one of the better preseason games I've watched. Uh, just in terms of the intensity, you know, the plays, the designs, everything. But Trey Lance played first couple series. Let me tell you, Trey Lance looks good. Trey Lance looks like the real deal. Looks like they is a reason why the 49ers spent all that draft capital, the three first-round picks, to acquire uh, the Dolphins' third-round pick. In draft, Trey Lance. Uh, Trey Lance is an ascending star in this league. He looks that good. Uh, He looked good in college, but it was a little FCS school. You don't know if he's going to pan out. Uh, But to me, the 49ers, they hit a lot in their draft. They just do. They hit on Elijah Mitchell, uh, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. Brandon Ayuk is also emerging. Not as fast as some other wide receivers, but he's a great wide receiver number two for this team. They've hit on multiple offensive linemen, Fred Warner. This team knows how to scout, uh, draft, and develop. And Trey Lance looks like he can be a star on the level of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I don't compare people to great quarterbacks like lightly, like the Patrick Mahomes, the Tom Brady's, don't like making those comparisons. But Trey Lance is that guy. Uh, not only was it, you know, the 76-yard uh, touchdown bomb threading the needle on the rope, sideline, all of that, you know, tremendous, you know, not even every NFL quarterback starting right now can make the throw that he made in preseason. But it's his pocket awareness, it's his progression from year one to year two. And I make this comparison to Patrick Mahomes, uh, and I think that's the most comparable. I was comparing uh, Joe Burrow last year to Tom Brady, uh, and that's what I'm going to stand by. And I stand by the Trey Lance to Patrick Mahomes. Similar, uh, because Trey Lance, majority of last year, 
sat out behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback, you know, not an elite tier one level quarterback, but he's a viable NFL starter who wins football games at the end of the day. Trey Lance was a high draft pick, a lot more upside, higher ceiling than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, played a few games, looked good, didn't look great. You compare that to Patrick Mahomes. Sat out his first year behind Alex Smith. Played a few snaps last game of the regular season, which didn't mean anything for the Chiefs. And he looked good. And, you know, I thought the following year that this guy can win MVP and be one of the best quarterbacks. I was right on that one. Uh, and I liked him at Texas Tech as well. Um, even as a backup, I thought Patrick Mahomes was a great pick. Watching him in college. Didn't watch Trey Lance a lot in college because he played uh, for the FCS. You don't get as much exposure on the media for an FCS school. But I saw Trey Lance start last year at the Cardinals 49ers game, and he did a lot of good things. To me, that was one of Kyle Shanahan's worst games as a play caller that he's had. But I thought he looked decent, and I thought he grew throughout the season when he played the Texans. Now in the preseason, he looks even better than at spurts he did last year. So I think Trey Lance is going to ascend. And I think a lot of it has to do with Kyle Shanahan. Because if you look at Kyle Shanahan, uh, who made Jim, we, you know, we didn't know a whole lot about Jimmy Garoppolo. He played four or five games with the Patriots. Uh, but the 49ers took a risk on him, signed him to a big contract, and it paid off. Jimmy Garoppolo took him to a Super Bowl and then in a separate NFC Championship game appearance. Trey Lance knows, or Kyle Shanahan knows how to coach quarterbacks. There's a reason why his nickname is the Boy Wonder. Um, you look at what he did with the Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan and the short stint. He was there just two years. Matt Ryan was just your average quarterback. Made it to two Pro Bowls uh, before Kyle Shanahan came. Uh, and one of those Pro Bowls was a, a six and ten year. He was never, you know, this great elite quarterback. Enter Kyle Shanahan, Matt Ryan, MVP, first team All Pro, goes to the Super Bowl, has one of his best, has his best season ever that year. Uh, you know, seventy percent completion percentage had a league high that year in passer rating and quarterback rating. Uh, he was tremendous. Kyle Shanahan. Uh, and I know people want to talk about Jimmy's record with Kyle Shanahan compared to Kyle Shanahan's record without Jimmy G. And yes, when your quarterback number one is injured and you don't have a viable backup, you're not going to be as good. It's, it's just the facts. So Kyle Shanahan, Trey Lance, I think is a match made in heaven. I think this is a great team. We're going to do great things this year. And what we saw in preseason was just a glimpse. But Trey Lance looks really good. Looks like he's going to be the leader of this team. And you compare that to the other side of the football. Matt LaFleur in the Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love. And Jordan Love looked downright awful. Three interceptions. Two of them were really bad. I pinned on him. Uh, you know... You know, it's sad that Trey Lance entering his second year uh, is more developed at this point than Matt LaFleur 
is with Jordan Love at three years in. So Jordan Love has an extra year. He also has got Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, who's supposed to be this offensive genius, but that's not the case. Remember, Matt LaFleur worked under Kyle Shanahan at one point. Looks like Kyle Shanahan obviously didn't teach him all the ropes, uh, left a few things in his bag, or Matt LaFleur really wanted to do his own thing, not panning out for him. Because Matt LaFleur, to me, is not a great coach. The pick for Jordan Love and how he has looked in any of the games last year against the Chiefs and the few snaps he played in the preseason, uh, you know, the Lions game. Jordan Love looks like a mess. Looks like a mess. Uh, and I'm worried when quarterback looks like a mess three years in, uh, like the Daniel Joneses of the world. Um, the 49ers are very, you know, moving up on the list here. Uh, Packers are moving down. Uh, their future without Aaron Rodgers looks bleak at best. One more preseason takeaway. The Seahawks are a mess. I watch them, uh, and they can't tackle. Uh, their defense, half-hearted effort. I know you can chalk it up to just preseason, but if you're given minimal effort, you know your team's bad, what's the point? playing 17 games when you know, you know, the end goal is the Super Bowl, but you ain't even coming close to that and sniffing that. So the Seahawks are a mess. Drew Locke to me looked a lot better than Geno Smith. Makes sense. I know Locke's been in the league a decent amount of time, four or five years. Geno's been in the league, it feels like forever, uh, but I believe it's only like eight years, uh, nine years he's been in the league, but Ever since his start with the Jets, you've just been a backup. That's all he is. And Drew Locke, you know, was the st- second starter uh, coming out of preseason, a backup. But Drew Locke looks better. To me, he has a relationship, a connection with uh, Noah Fant, their tight end. Uh, but Drew Locke, to me, has a little bit better command of the offense, uh, better arm, uh, better awareness. And to me, at the end of the day, Seahawks want to win. Uh, a little higher chance. I'm not giving them a huge chance. Maybe one extra win here. I'd start Drew Locke. Now if I'm in full tank mode, heck, start Geno. Uh, doesn't really matter. DK's got his money, so nothing pressing here. Now moving on to my division predictions for the NFL. I'm going to start in the AFC. And I'm starting in the AFC East. First place, I have the Buffalo Bills, followed by the Miami Dolphins, then the New England Patriots, and then last again, the New York Jets. So similar to last year, Buffalo Bills are one, Jets are last, but two and three are swapped. Last year, Patriots were second, made the playoffs. This year, I have it switched Miami second, Patriots third. And I think Miami... Uh, this offseason definitely jumped the New England Patriots, uh, the trade for um, Tyreek Hill, uh, Mike McDaniel, offensive mind, great offensive coach, um, younger team, faster team. I think they're in a blaze by the New England Patriots. Uh, New England Patriots coordinators um, jump ship again. New England Patriots, to me, are down on number three on the list. 
Buffalo Bills, clear repeat favorites in the division. Again, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Sean McDermott, that system is there. Uh, New York Jets, to me, they need to make great strides to convince me that they're not going to finish last again. Zach Wilson, Brees Hall, no. They had a great draft with Brees Hall. Um, Garrett Wilson, uh, Rousseau, their defensive end, great draft. Uh, Sauce Gardner, but not near the class of the AFC East, have a lot of work to do, in my estimation, to get to the Buffalo Bills level. So that's my AFC East. Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots, New York Jets. Now let's move to the AFC North. Last year, Bengals were number one. I have them repeating again. I got the Bengals number one, Baltimore Ravens two. They were at four last year. They ascend to two this year. Pittsburgh Steelers three, Cleveland Browns four. Now, why I have the Bengals repeating, Joe Burrow, who's going to take another leap. Offensive line, they've greatly uh, revamped that. You know, that was their main issue in the Super Bowl. Uh, They took strides to work that out. Again, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon. Offensive skill set is off the chart. Defense will continue to improve. I think Trey Hendrickson, their defensive end, is going to have a breakout year. Baltimore ascends. Lamar Jackson was injured for half the season last year. He returns. They're obviously a better team, but they also get uh, J.K. Dobbins back, Gus Edwards. So this team's going to be much more better than they were last year. And last year, they were still good and competitive. John Harbaugh is a terrific coach. Lost a lot of um, games there near the end, you know, the last uh, five of them, six of them, due to his poor play calling. So... That's why I have Bengals 1, Ravens 2. 3, Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin, well-documented, has never had a losing season. To me, they're still around that same range. I could see them finishing 8-8-1. Eight, eight and one. It feels like they have a tie quite a bit now, but they could be 9-8. and eight, The Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and then 4, Cleveland Browns. Um, doesn't look like Deshaun Watson's going to play a lot this year. I think his suspension is going to get bumped. If not a full season, at minimum, 12 games. Um, And Jacoby Brissett's not that guy, so that really knocks down the Cleveland Browns if Jacoby Brissett is your guy. So AFC North, my prediction, Cincinnati Bengals, Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Cleveland Browns. AFC South. This is where I do not have a repeat champion. I have the Indianapolis Colts overtaking the Tennessee Titans for first in this division. Why? This pains me because I am such a huge Derrick Henry fan. I love Derrick Henry. But the Titans, to me, did not have a great offseason. Whereas the Indianapolis Colts had, a, you know, not a great offseason, but it was better than the Titans. First, they shipped out their problem, Carson Wentz. They got a better one, Matt Ryan, who, you know, the past two years they've been trying to figure out their quarterback. It was Phillip Rivers. Uh, then he retired. You have to get Carson Wentz. That was a downgrade. Now, Matt Ryan is an upgrade to me over that Phillip Rivers level. They made the playoffs that year. So I think why not win the division? I think Michael Pittman can make, take another step forward. Uh, offensive line is still good. And Jonathan Taylor is one of the best running backs in the league. 
compare that with just a rock-solid defense with Kenny Moore, uh, DeForest Buckner, Shaq Leonard, um, they don't have a ton of holes on this team. Now, could they use an extra wide receiver too? Sure. But if a bulk of it's going to be running the football uh, in this easy division, Colts have got it. And like I said, the tight ends at two, they took a step back, I believe, two receivers from last year, A.J. Brown, shipped out, Julio Jones no longer there. Yes, they got Robert Woods. He drafted somebody, uh, Burks, but to me, I don't see this team repeating his division champions. Now, I like it because I love Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's going to take him as far as he can go, but Ryan Tannehill gets in his way too many times. I got Jacksonville at third. Last year, they were the worst team in the league. Yes, I have them moving to third, and I have the Houston Texans at four. I thought Houston would be the worst team in the league last year, but they were mildly competitive to start the season. I don't think they will be repeating that, though, this year. So I got Jacksonville a touch ahead of Houston. I think they have a better coach than Doug Peterson. I think Trevor Lawrence will be a little better. They get Travis Etienne back as well uh, from injury. And the Houston Texans uh, just decimated with little to no talent. So my AFC South, I've got the Indianapolis Colts, the Tennessee Titans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Houston Texans. Now to me, the AFC West is next. And this is such such a hard, hard division. Uh, you know, you can make any iteration out of this. Um, I think there's 24 possible combinations. Um, no, my bad. I, there's not 24. I misspoke uh, on that math. Um, wait, no, I'm right. Yeah, there's 24 possible combinations. Um for this division, and, you know, any one of them could be viable for the AFC West, anyone. Uh, I went back and forth a lot with who can win the division, and I think these are all playoff-ready teams. Again, AFC West is the toughest, but my number one AFC West team, it's the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm high on Las Vegas this year. Now, it might be to a default, but I think the Raiders are going to be really, really good. Um, I think Derek Carr is a tremendous quarterback. Uh, Devontae Adams, you know, look at a stat with him in college. Uh, Derek Carr threw 50 touchdowns. Um, Devontae Adams had 24 touchdowns of those 50, so basically half. They were kind of unstoppable now. They were on Fresno State, so not going to get anywhere with Fresno State. But they were electric together. But they also, you know, improved their defense. They got uh, Chandler Jones to pair with Max Crosby because uh, I think that'll actually help Max Crosby have the similar numbers as he did last year having somebody on the opposite side. But to me, the Raiders are a good team. And out of the AFC West, which is a gauntlet itself, they have a favorable, you know, more favorable schedule. You know, I would say playing, you know, the latter teams because they didn't win um, the division, so they're not playing the toughest of opponents. 
So I got the Raiders one. Two, I got the Chiefs. Three, Broncos. Four, Chargers. Now, again, I got Raiders at one. But I don't think, you know, games are going to separate these teams. Uh, all these teams could be 10-7, and 11-6, and six, and it could be crazy tiebreaker scenarios as to who gets what and why. But I got the Raiders at one. I think they improved the most. Um, I put the Chiefs here at two. Um, I think, you know, out of a division, um, they could easily win their division games, but it's out of their division. That's why I like the Raiders. Derek Carr shows a lot of grit, come from behind wins, um, fourth quarter comebacks. It's what he does. He plays with grit, and he plays a lot. Um, he has had to endure a lot with his team. I think Josh McDaniels as well, new head coach, has a second lease. I think he's learned a lot from Tom Brady. Usually it's the other way around. You know, coach, players learn a lot from their coaches. I think Josh McDaniels learned a lot from Tom Brady. Um, is going to use a lot of what him and Tom have talked about and implement that system here in Las Vegas. And I think it's going to be great. But I got Kansas City at two. Now, they've won the AFC West, I think, seven straight years. So, you know, they're a favorite to repeat again. But they lost Tyreek Hill. They're, you know, second or third best player on offense um, and replaced him with Juju Smith-Schuster, who's not a number one. Sky Moore, who can be good, but he's not going to break out this year. And then on defense, they lost their defensive leader in Tyran Matthew um, and replaced him with Justin Reed. Now, Justin Reed's good. But he's not the honey badger. You lost that leadership there. That's a big one for me. Potentially bigger than Tyreek Hill. So that's a loss. Uh, you know, I was debating, do I put the Broncos ahead of the Chiefs? Um, you know, because I think Russell Wilson's going to have a tremendous year. I just couldn't do it because the Chiefs own the Broncos. I think the Broncos will, you know, get a win back this year. But this is going to be close. And then the Chargers for um, a lot of people have the Chargers at one or two. Maybe I'm just scarred from the Week 18 Sunday night game uh, where it was Raiders and Chargers for a playoff spot. And Brandon Staley screwed the pooch, like, royally messed up, uh, you know, with his game management type skills that could be non-existent. Um, and, you know, that just scares me when the AFC, you know, reloads and the general manager gets some pieces, Khalil Mack, um, JC Jackson, you know, to make sure that, you know, I'm doing everything to cover you. So if you mess up again, like you did, you know, you could be out Brandon Staley. So maybe I'm just a little scarred from that moment, but they did improve again, like I said, this is a very, very tough division. All of them could be playoff teams, potentially playoff teams. Uh, but I got the Raiders at one, the Chiefs at two, the Broncos at three, and the Chargers at four. Now, that could blow up in my face. Now, this is the only division I really feel that way um, because it is so tough and it could very end up well being unpredictable. Moving on to the NFC now. NFC East. Now, there hasn't been a repeat NFC East champion in quite some time. 
I believe it's like 11 of the 12 years, like 15 out of 17 years, there hasn't been a repeat champion. But I think the Cowboys will repeat because they got the best quarterback. Um, and to me, this really was a toss-up between the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I like the Eagles a lot. I thought they had one of the best drafts. Jordan Davis uh, looks like an absolute beast. The trade for A.J. Brown. But I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts. I'm just not. To me, he leaves too much to be desired as a quarterback. Uh, And maybe if he had the scrambling and elusiveness and the quickness of a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson, it would be different. But he doesn't. And to me, he doesn't have the the big arm either. So Dallas Cowboys um, didn't improve at all on the the free agency. I hate to tell you that Randy Gregory left and, uh, you know, Mari Cooper got shipped off. But I like Dak Prescott a lot more than than Jalen Hurts. To me, Dak Prescott's, you know, borderline top 10 kind of guy, maybe outside looking in. Jalen Hurts is not a top 20 quarterback. He's on the outskirts of a top 20 board to me. So when there's that much of a gap, can you really overcome your quarterback? I don't think so. So I know the Dallas is a, is a mess. Most penalized team. Mike McCarthy, absolute joke at coach. Uh, but this is the NFC East. It's the worst division of football um, in terms of talent and watchability. Um, you know, when it's usually the last week of the season and the divisions play each other, the games I want to watch the least, it's the NFC, NFC least. So I got the Cowboys at one, barely above the Eagles. It's a coin toss. I have the Washington Commanders at third and the Giants at fourth. So a repeat division of last year, which isn't something you usually bet on, but hey, uh, that's it. New York Giants to me are clearly fourth with Daniel Jones at quarterback. That's not Brian Dable's guy. Giants, yet another year of rebuilding. Commanders, Carson Wentz will have some good games, win some games, maybe pull off an upset here or there. But again, uh, Commanders aren't near the Eagles or the Cowboys, so I've got the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, Washington Commanders, and the New York Giants in the NFC East. Now let's go to the NFC North. Owner of this division, courtesy of one Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And I believe that continues. Yes, they lost a big, big piece in Devontae Adams. Can't replicate that. Devontae's don't grow on trees. But they don't need Devontae to win this division. I'm sorry. Uh, This division isn't good enough, talented enough to compete with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a top three quarterback in this league. Uh, top three. Uh, the rest of his division does not have a top ten quarterback. Uh, I think the defense is really good. They got two good running backs, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. Offensive line isn't as great as people hype it up to be at all. But it's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers loves playing this division. He doesn't love a lot of other things. He doesn't love... Um, road playoff games or playoff games really in general um, or tough out of division, the games, division games or um, 
anything physical or where he has to face adversity. But there's really no adversity in this division. So Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay repeat at number one. And two, I got the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, again, led by con artist Kirk. And con artist Kirk can take a team very far. We've seen that, I think, one playoff win, two primetime win games. He's pathetic. He's quite pathetic at the quarterback position. Um, I don't have a lot of sympathy for Kirk Cousins uh, or people that support Kirk Cousins or the Minnesota Vikings because, like I said, he's a con artist. He takes major chunks of guaranteed money and over his career with the Vikings and the Washington, I don't know, the football team, Commanders, Redskins. Um, when he was there, it was the Redskins, but the Washington football team is kind of what I'm just going to refer to them as. But even when he was there, uh, never a high return on investment. The team, you know, put the franchise tag on him, which means guaranteed money, guaranteed money, and he never delivered. It's been the same story with Kirk Cousins um, every single year. And... You know, it can be a different coach, it can be a different team, different players, but it's usually always the same with Kirk, which is why he's a con artist. His highest win season is 10-5. and five. That's the only time in his career he's won double-digit seasons, which is 2019. Uh, and guess what? That was with Stephon Diggs. Now with Justin Jefferson, they've been 7-9, and 8-8. and eight. But is in his career, he's a 500 quarterback. He's 59-59-2. And, and to me, that sums up Kirk Cousins perfectly. Because it doesn't matter if a coach, the team, you put him on any team. You switch out Tom Brady on this loaded Bucks team with Kirk Cousins. You switch out Kirk Cousins and Matthew Stafford on the Rams last year. Kirk Cousins and, you know, Jimmy G or Trey Lance and the Niners, Jimmy G and the Buffalo Bills, you're going to get an, a 9-8 record, an 8-9, 8-8-1. Eight eight That's what you're going to get with Kirk Cousins. He's not that guy. He's not that guy. So I'll have him at 2 again, hovering around the 8-9, 9-8 range, because that's who he is. Then I got the Detroit Lions at 3, making strides, Slowly but surely, moving up a spot here, they get to number three. Baby steps with the Detroit Lions. Yes, they've been in the basement of the NFC North, but this is the time they move up from the basement to the first floor. Now, they aren't on the second floor of the third story yet, but they're on the ground-level floor. Ground level, based on the Chicago Bears down below. Um, Chicago Bears organizational structure is super flawed. No help for Justin Fields. I'm high on Justin Fields, but uh, Chicago might kill him before he gets a real chance in this league. So Detroit Lions, yes at three. Chicago at four. My NFC North predictions, Green Bay Packers at one. Minnesota Vikings at two. The Detroit Lions at three. And the Chicago Bears at four. Now moving on to the NFC South. Maybe the most predictable division. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to finish one. 
Tom Brady, no way uh, he's going to let any of these other teams in this division finish ahead of him. Tampa Bay's too talented. Uh, they're too deep. Even in their preseason game, which they lost uh, by two points, and it was all second and third team, all. They were competitive, and even the backups, you know, the, the Dardens and all of them, looked good, which is scary for the rest of the NFC South. You pair that with Tom Brady instead of, you know, the Kyle Trask of the world and playing Gabbards. Things aren't look good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They cruise control of this division. Number two, one team that can actually put up a fight, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they're a team that are competitive, have a great defense. Uh, Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Dennis Allen, I think will be a good coach. Not as good as Sean Payton, but he'll be good. Then offensive side of a ball, you drafted Chris Olave. You got Michael Thomas back. You signed Jarvis Landry. Alvin Kamara is healthy. Mark Ingram's back. So you got the team. But there's one thing lacking, and that's the quarterback. I'm sorry, Trevor Simeon, Jameis Winston. You just don't do it for me. You don't. So that's why you're number two, followed by the Carolina Panthers. At three, I think with Baker, they can be a bit more competitive um, this year with Matt Rule. And then last, the Atlanta Falcons, who I think, you know, are clearly, to me, there's three, you know, terrible teams. Um, that are going to be like, I think, could be guaranteed a top three pick. It's maybe the Atlanta Falcons are one of them. When you're striding out there with Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota, it's not going to be good. Uh, Atlanta Falcons are not going to be good to watch this year uh, at all. Stay away from the Falcons. NFC South predictions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers, and the Atlanta Falcons. NFC West, last division here. Number one, Mike Shack, a few of you. The San Francisco 49ers, I have winning this division. Bumping the Los Angeles Rams, who I have it too. Why? I'm high on the 49ers. The 49ers have the Rams number. Um, six out of the past seven times, it's gone the Niners' way. Kyle Shanahan gets the best of. Sean McVay, and their two matchups are earlier in the season, to me, which suits the Niners because the Rams might have a little, you know, Super Bowl hangover there. And the Niners are the physical team, you know, the anti-Rams team. Uh, And the other big reason I have a 49ers ahead of Rams is I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of detail today, but just look at the schedules of the two teams. Rams have the most difficult schedule in the NFL. It's loaded. They got a, you know, a few easy games there uh, in the beginning of the season, but it gets rough and rough fast. To me, after a guaranteed win in like week six against the Panthers, it's downhill from there. They play the Niners, the Buccaneers, the Cardinals, Saints, Chiefs, Seahawks, division game, Raiders, Packers, Broncos, Chargers, Seahawks. That's a rough schedule. That's a that's not just a rough way to end your season. That's a rough way for the majority of your season. You know, usually you'll have a tough three, four game stretch where this really makes or breaks your season. 
But starting October 30th, it's a big game after big game, um, and there's really no slowing down. You can count the two Seahawks games, you know, in there, uh, one in the middle of the stretch and then one at the end there. But it's very rough, and even the Seahawks give the Rams a tough time, and it's a division game I expect no less this season. Whereas the Niners, you know, they don't have the easiest schedule in the world, um, but it is a lot more favorable uh, and spread out than those that Rams schedule there. So that's the big reason why um, I don't think Matt Stafford's going to do as good. I don't think this team replicates the success they had last year. Again, Super Bowl hangover is a big part of it. I think the 49ers are hungry. Trey Lance is going to come out strong, uh, put the league on notice, uh, put the Rams behind them. And after that, I got the same two teams that were third and fourth. Actually, no. Cardinals were second last year. 49ers were third. So 49ers, to me, jump up to first from third to one. Rams drop from one to two. And then the Cardinals drop from two to three. Uh, I think other teams have improved. Namely, like I said, the Rams and Niners. The Cardinals, you know, seasons the past two years have ended uninspiring when they started relatively good and hot and Kyler Murray was in the thick of the MVP conversation halfway through the season and it trails off. I don't expect it to be as dramatic this year because I think they don't start as great as they did the previous two years. So it's kind of just middle of the pack all season, gets them into third place. And then Seattle, who I think is going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. Um, you know, one of the three worst We'll finish last in the division. Um, like I said, they chose an old coach, Pete Carroll, over one of the best quarterbacks in the league, Russell Wilson. That shows you where their heads are at. So NFC West, I got the Niners, the Rams, Cardinals, and the Seahawks. Now moving on to the NBA. Kevin Durant. Always news with Kevin Durant. Latest news over the weekend, there's multiple uh, reports that he can hold out, maybe even retire. I don't buy the retirement rumors. I just don't. Um, a lot of people threaten, and those never work out. But the holdout to me is possible. We see this a lot in the NFL. Players come to practice and the pads and everything, and they just, you know, they hold out. They don't actually practice. They're just there. Um, this doesn't really happen in the NBA a lot. Um Practices are a little different. You know, does he just come onto the court, into the arena, just sit on a bench on his phone and tweet? Who knows, or does he just not show up at all? To me, it's possible he doesn't show up. To me, he just doesn't want to be there. And Kevin Durant's tried so many ways. He he tried to play it cool and nice and say, hey, you know, can you trade me? You know, these are my wish list teams, but I just want out of here. And he played a very cordial, very cool um, and then, you know, a lot of backlash and, you know, this insane asking price. And then a couple, uh, like a week uh, or so ago, it's like, you know, expanded his teams. There's a few more teams on his list. And it came out that, hey, you know, get rid of Sean Marks and head coach Steve Nash and, you know, general manager Steve Marks. And then I'll come back. This ultimatum. That, uh, of course, you know, Joe Sy didn't take kindly to that. He supports the staff. So, you know, and then now it's a possible holdout. The bottom line is Kevin Durant's not going to be there. I don't think he plays a game with the Nets. Now, I know a lot of people 
are saying, you know, you sign this four-year contract, you're going to do it. But what has been reported, Kevin Durant just doesn't want to be there anymore. He doesn't want to be there with Kyrie, with the headaches of him, with the coaching staff and general manager. He wants a fresh start, new start. And he's kind of willing to go to a lot of teams. I, I uh, you know, you know, to me, it doesn't have to be the number one contender, the Suns and the Heat. But any playoff team, I think he'd just be fine with. I think, you know, he opens open to the Celtics, the Sixers, you know, those are four playoff teams. You know, the Raptors were also on there. So that's like five, you know, playoff teams right there in the East. In the West, you know, I think he'd be fine going to the, the Suns, which they already, you know, they were the first team, but he'd take a trade to Memphis, you know, Dallas with Luka. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of teams he could go to because at the end of the day, he just doesn't want to play in Brooklyn anymore. I think in hindsight, um, if you were to look back on his life and, you know, change anything, I think he changes going to Brooklyn. Maybe he still leaves Golden State. Uh, but I think if you were to know now what transpires, um, you know, with him, you know, the, all the issues with Kyrie Irving, just, you know, and Ben Simmons and all the drama surrounding the Nets, you know, he might go and choose a different team when he makes that request to the Warriors that, you know, he wasn't going to re-sign with them. Um, but, no, I think it would be smart for the Nets to move Kevin Durant I mean, uh, Kevin Durant doesn't want to play there. I think it's best to just let him have his wish. You know, trade him for the best deal. Now, are you going to get the great value for KD? Because he's, you know, a top five player in this league. No, you're not going to get a top five player in return. So, I don't know what the Knights are thinking, thinking they're going to get that. But I think we just have to get out from under Kevin Durant. Because I've seen with Sean Marks. Uh, the great general manager that he is, they can rebuild and retool well. But, you know, they got the O'Neal guy uh, from uh, the Jazz this year. But, you know, they had a good team with Jared Allen and Karis LeVert and D'Angelo Russell, young, fun team. And they kind of swapped it into a more contending team. So, you know, I think if they get a decent value for KD with Sean Marks, I think they can retool and in a few years be – you know, better than where they are now. I honestly think so. But then the NBA Christmas slate was released, and the Nets were not on there. I think the league doesn't want the Nets drama, you know, for their big primetime schedule, which is Christmas Day. But the games that we are going to see that day, Golden State Warriors, Memphis Grizzlies, that's going to be fantastic. That's what Draymond... And Ja were talking about they wanted that Christmas Day. We get that rematch of that semifinals round Christmas Day. Hopefully everybody's healthy because I want to see some fireworks. I want to see Ja cook for 40 again on Steph Curry's head, on Clay Thompson. That's going to be a fun game to watch. Great, great win there for the NBA postseason. You hit a win there. Or Christmas game. Another Christmas win. Dallas Mavericks, Los Angeles Lakers. You got the two one-man shows going against each other. You got the electric Luka Doncic going against old man LeBron James. And I mean old man LeBron James in a very respectful and great way, much like old man Logan. 
which when I say old man Logan, it's um, Logan from X-Men Wolverine, you know, the old man Logan storyline, um, how even, you know, in his older stage, he's still a boss and is amazing. It's the same way with LeBron James. Um, you're going to get an electric show down there. Then, so you're 2-0 on Christmas. Then you have the first dud, which is the Nuggets and the Suns. Now, I get wanting to put the Suns. I'm fine with the Suns being on there um, because they're a good team. Um, but I'm not high on the Nuggets getting that Christmas slot. Nobody really enjoys watching Nikola Jokic play. He's boring. He's efficient, but he's boring. Now, I know we're going to get, you know, uh, Michael uh, Porter Jr. back. We'll have uh, Jamal Murray back. But that, to me, is not the most exciting game you can have. Uh, really, is the Denver Nuggets. I'm not a fan of that. Uh, it might be just me. I'd rather, you know, them play the Minnesota Timberwolves, who just got Rudy Gobert and could be better. I'd rather see them play the Los Angeles Clippers, where they have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George back. To me, that'd be much more exciting and a better game than to see the Nuggets. The Nuggets aren't fun to watch. Um, they're just not. I don't want to see the Nuggets on Christmas Day. And then two teams at all. He's got a slot. Why not just pit them against each other? The New York Knicks and the Philadelphia 76ers. To me, not a great matchup. You're 2-2. Two and two. And then you also got one more great matchup, the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. Like that matchup a lot. Uh, rematch of the semifinals from last year. Hopefully both teams are healthy. I like to see Chris Middleton, Giannis, take care of business against Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and the Boston Celtics. But overall, you got three great Christmas games and, you know, two Okay, Christmas games for the NBA. Now moving on to college football. The preseason AP poll has officially come out. Preseason top five, top 25. Uh, some things I didn't like. Michigan at eight. Really don't like, and this just isn't my Michigan bias, but really Utah ahead of Michigan Utah was really good last year, but they folded in the second half like a cheap suit against Ohio State when they had, you know, dominating. That could have really been, you know, a big turning point. So really Michigan below Utah and Texas A&M as well. Now Texas A&M recruited well, so if you just want to base off recruits, fine, go ahead. But those two teams, that's to me my biggest gripe. But now that we have the preseason rankings, now we've got some games. First week of the season, we have three top 25 games. We got Oregon and Georgia, which is going to be great because it's Georgia's defensive coordinator this past season left for the head coaching job at Oregon. They play each other. Georgia's 17.5-point favorites. I guarantee you that line will close up as we get to kickoff, and Oregon might have an upset. Last year, they upset Ohio State. Similarly, could happen to Georgia. We get Cincinnati, Arkansas, and then finish off with Notre Dame and Ohio State, which is a top five matchup. So a top five team is already going to go down for sure in week one. That's going to be a tremendous game, Notre Dame, Ohio State. So preseason 
AP poll has come out. Alabama number one, of course. Ohio State at two. Georgia at three. The only people who got first place votes are teams um, right there. But automatically guaranteed, one top three, one top five team will go down week one. And then also regarding the Michigan Wolverines, um, you know, they had, you know, they broke it down by division, the quarterbacks, uh, you know, their starter and, you know, what they look for. And everyone was relatively short. It was like a paragraph long, maybe like a paragraph and then an extra sentence about the quarterback. But when it came to Michigan, it was like three paragraphs about Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. You know, are we going to rock the boat? this year, you know, play well as they did last year together. Um, you know, can we expect difference, you know? But I don't think so. I just don't. And I know a lot of people are trying to pit this Katie McNamara, JJ McCarthy, you know, is some battle that's like evil between the two of them. One of them's going down. I don't see it that way. Now we see that in the NFL. But we see that in the NFL, we, you know, Nick Foles and Carson wins. You know, one of them's got to go on the battle to make the other one happy. That doesn't work in the couple like that. And to me, there's a couple reasons. One is the money. You know, Nick Foles competing for a big contract. Carson Wentz has a contract. You know, you want your money. You want to be the starter. Whereas you're not involved, Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. You're not playing for a $25 million deal. The other thing is... Ego and brand. In the NFL, it seems like everybody has an ego. It's more me first in the NFL, me, my stats, my records, compared to college, where it's definitely a more team-first mentality, less of an ego, which has always drawn me to the game of college. And I think that's the same way. We saw that last year, Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. They had no ego. Uh, J.J. McCarthy would come in for a play or two, make a couple great plays. Cade McNamara... Gives him the thumbs up, looks at him, you know, pats him on the back, says great job because at the end of the day, they both just want to win. And I could be wrong about that. One of them could have an ego, but they haven't shown yet. But I don't think so. I don't think Jim Harbaugh uh, has coached that. I think he's a great coach. He can manage egos. And to me, the Cade McNamara, J.J. McCarthy, uh, people are trying to stir this up, but – they don't listen to the outside noise. It doesn't matter to them. I let them what they're doing. So that's been, this has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.